0: Premier Christian Newscast.
1: Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt, and this week we're digging into a fascinating news survey, which might suggest younger generations are more open to faith than their parents. The poll was published last month and found 56% of those aged 18 to 34 had prayed in their lives. This was much higher than the 55 and above cohort, where only four in ten of those surveyed said that they had ever tried prayer, and even fewer said they actually prayed in the last month. Commentators, including those from the Church of England who commissioned the survey, have suggested the findings tell the lie to the common trope that interest in spirituality has been dwindling with every year that passes. Instead, maybe Gen Zers and Millennials are actually a really promising generation to evangelize to. Stephen Hance, the C of E's national lead for evangelism, said in an era of uncertainty and facing significant pressures, more and more people were drawing strength from God in prayer. He also suggested the survey had confirmed what other research had already found, quote, that while younger people might be underrepresented in church, this isn't indicative of a lack of interest in faith. Has the church really been asleep at the wheel and missed a trick in trying to reach these prayerful young adults? Or is this a classic case of over-enthusiastic Christians reading far too much into a vaguely worded survey? In today's show, we're asking two Christian journalists to help us unpick these findings and explore if there really might be a generational shift in secular Britain underway. Well, it's great to have you both. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Sam Hales, uh, who's been on the show many times, uh, editor of Christianity Magazine, among other hats he wears at Premier. Uh, Also thrilled to welcome Andy Peck for the first time. Andy, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. I edit uh, youth and children's work and the website Premier Next Gen, which aims to support and help Christian parents. uh, And I also uh, host the leadership show for Premier. Brilliant. Um, well, today we wanted to look in a bit
1: more detail at a piece of research that came out last week. Um, it was commissioned by the Church of England, and the kind of headline finding was that uh, nearly half of UK adults, forty-eight percent, said that they had ever tried praying at some point in their life. But really fascinating to me was that actually the numbers were higher if you looked at the younger generation. So, so a majority of eighteen to thirty-four year olds, fifty-six percent, said in, in when they were s- surveyed that they had ever prayed and a third 32 percent said they'd actually prayed in the last month and if you contrast that to the kind of 55 plus age group uh only 41 percent of them said that they had ever prayed and just a quarter 25 percent said that they'd prayed in the last month and this was really jumped on by the church of england and by a lot of other people in the kind of church media talking about maybe evidence of um a kind of renewed interest in spirituality perhaps among younger generations um and i want to come to you first when you saw these figures, were they surprising to you? Uh,
0: a little bit in the sense that uh, typically we understand that attendance of church is largely uh, in the UK, certainly um, something that the older generation are more typically doing than the younger generation. So in that sense, it was a little bit uh, surprising. Uh, the other, of course, is that as you delve into the the stats, it was um, about 2000 UK adults who were uh, being uh, surveyed. And um, it, it, the survey actually asked participants of all faiths, not just Christian faith. So I guess the question is, uh, prayer to whom? Uh, with what understanding? And uh, I guess uh, getting into that detail will help to uncover what was really being said uh, by the survey.
1: And what about you, Sam? Did you did you raise an eyebrow when you read those figures? Or was it um, kind of relatively online with what you'd expect?
2: Yeah so we we see these sorts of surveys fairly often as you say this was a, this was a Church of England commission survey and They do often provoke, I think, quite surprising results. At least they're surprising if you're a pessimist like me. Um, So I would I would reach for the same figures Andy just has, which shows, you know, most people in this country do not go to church. Most people in this country now are identifying, you know, not as Christian, but as a different faith or no faith at all. And so if you start off from quite a pessimistic perspective and then you're told a third of of young people were praying the last month, I think, wow, okay, that is that's not what I was expecting. Hmm. And and when they
1: when they asked what do you pray about uh, the most kind of common things were what you'd expect really about friends and family people you know who are unwell or giving thanks, but I think what people or what at least the Church of England want to pull out of here is 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 the idea that that there has been a bit of a shift and that you know, we're used to this idea that the kind of the baby boomer generation uh, are have been increasingly secularizing and and not and fewer and fewer of them going to church. Um, and the kind of Church of England's take at least or, or or suggestion was that perhaps that has now shifted and that their children effectively, you know, the 34s and below are actually have moved on from that kind of hostility or apathy towards faith. And they're rediscovering an interest in spirituality. Um, you know, people often point to things like, you know, more celebrities are talking about faith these days and 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 there's a kind of growing interest in in spiritualness. Do you think that's what's behind this? It's not really about Christianity. It's about a kind of vague, kind of amorphous spirituality that might go along with a lifestyle choice like being vegan or, or plastic-free.
0: <laughs> well, I think I think you're right in this, in that. Um, there's an understanding that there's certainly the so-called gen z and millennials do have an, an openness to spirituality and i think many have commented that there's uh as, as you suggested a a cynicism perhaps amongst older people that that doesn't seem to exist uh, and often it's because of uh, a widespread ignorance of of christian faith and christianity so whereas a previous generation would have been brought up with with faith drummed into them at school and they've kind of rejected it because they didn't like it and often perhaps because quite rightly because the way it was communicated was was by non-believers in in re lessons and so no surprise that you drift away from that kind of thing so so that's kind of part of the i, I think the background to uh, to this um so so there is an openness amongst the younger generation um but whether whether once they that they talk in terms of of the god that they pray to that they outline what that means what faith means etc i i really don't know we know that roughly 95 percent of under 18s have no connection with any local church whatsoever so that's a pretty depressing statistic and the church of england uh something like um 70 percent of church of england churches have fewer than five under 16s in their congregation so a lot of these people answering the question about prayer, et cetera, are probably doing so fairly ignorant of what we would regard within the Christian world as prayer to a living God through Jesus in the power of the Spirit. It's a very different kind of game. Now, there is an open, if there's an openness, wonderful. And I think evangelists today have 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 quite rightly said, hey, if if people are more keen to engage, then then we as a church need to make sure that we're more optimistic about that potential engagement rather than concluding that actually it's going to be harder and harder work.
1: I wonder, Sam, will pick up on that, because I think there's something about us Christians are so desperate for good news or an opening that we always read these kind of survey responses in the best possible light. But do you think maybe Andy's put his finger on something that actually that clearly the people who are praying are not, you know, part of some kind of organized Christian fellowship? And so what does it really mean when they tick the box? Yes, I prayed in the last month. Do you pray is an incredibly vague, open-ended question, which could be interpreted in so many different ways.
2: Yes, well, the, the survey was weighted to take into account of UK population. So at least it's done that, which I think is is helpful. But I, I agree. Now, a lot of the people filling out this survey are also ticking a box saying I'm an atheist. Now, if you're an atheist and of course, you're probably not going to pray because that doesn't really make much sense. Certainly, if you're praying in the traditional sense of praying to a God, you wouldn't pray to a God you don't believe in. Would you necessarily? I don't know. Maybe that's a debate for another day. Um, I, I think these surveys are quite helpful for us, though, as Christians in understanding where our culture is at. That, what engages them and what doesn't and i think for me this is further confirmation of a trend we've seen for actually quite a long time and the example i'd use is if you go back a generation or two you could walk up someone on the street and say this guy called billy graham is speaking he's going to be uh, talking about what the bible says and a surprising number of people would say yes and so billy graham packed out arenas even stadiums and his famous catchphrase was the bible says and there seemed to be this kind of cultural understanding that the, the bible was a book of wisdom even if you weren't a christian that actually had something to say to you and And so evangelistically, Billy Billy Graham and others use scripture to preach the gospel. I think what's interesting today is is that kind of tactic um, doesn't seem to work as well. There doesn't seem to be a respect in our culture, not just for the Bible, but for any holy text. But what there is, and this is where the survey comes in. There is an openness to prayer. There is an openness to spirituality. There is an openness to mindfulness, and so actually, I think that has ramifications for our evangelism. You know, if it doesn't work to work up to, to walk up to someone and say, "Did you know what John three sixteen says?" It probably will work if you say, "Hey, I'm sorry to hear you're going through a hard time. Can I pray for you? In fact, can I pray for you right now?" And they're the sorts of stories I'm hearing from evangelists that actually there is this openness to prayer, and so I. Is encouraging to think, wow, among those young people, if you want to reach them, then start with a conversation about prayer rather than the Bible, if I can put it that way.
0: Hmm. I
1: mean, they also in the same survey asked people, you know, do you read a religious text, not specifically the Bible, but any religious text? And uh, I believe it was uh, 16% said so they did that at least once a month. So, like, about half of the people who said that they prayed. Uh, and only 37% said they'd ever done that in their entire lives, ever read a religious text, which is slightly astonishing to me. So I think you're absolutely right, Sam, that there really has been some kind of generational cultural shift. And I think, perhaps as ever, the church has been a little bit behind in picking up on that. And we're still kind of using the same playbook from a generation ago about, you know, apologetics and and tackling people's resistance to faith in, in in hard questions about science and whatever else, or about, you know, saying, did you know the Bible says when actually people want to kind of maybe I say kind of a softer, uh, touchy-feely, emotions-driven sense of like, did you know there's a person, Jesus, would you like to try to pray to him right now and let's see if we listen to what he says?
2: Exactly. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that uh, the Christians stop preaching from the Bible, we chuck it out, it doesn't work anymore. I'm not saying that. But I think think when it comes to evangelism, you're absolutely right. Why are we asking questions like, you know, why can I trust the Bible? I'm going to say, you know, this is what trust the bible when actually we have to ask yourselves questions are any non-christians actually asking that question anymore because they might have been 10 years ago 15 20 years ago when richard dawkins brought out the god delusion and had a big rant about how you can't uh, trust the god of the old testament but is that necessarily the questions young people today are asking and i'm not sure if i'm not sure if they are and as you say it's not that we want our young people necessarily to have an overly inward therapeutic view of God is that we don't want to leave them there, but can we at least meet them there and say, okay, for the good of your mental health, you're interested in meditating. Okay. Well, let me talk to you a bit about prayer and how that works in my life, my mental health. And again, some people, they'll hear that. And they want to write that off and say, Oh, come on, Sam, stop being so wishy-washy. But I think we well, have actually we've got to meet people where they are and then move them on towards what we might understand as perhaps a more classical traditional understanding of Christian faith, but let's meet people where they are. And I think this survey suggests that meeting people where they're at, would be starting with a conversation about what prayer means. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: Andy, you you obviously spent a lot of your time, I imagine, talking to, you know, youth ministers and pastors and and hearing what churches are doing up and down the country when it comes to reaching young people. Do you have a sense that the church has kind of missed this, this shift, missed this cultural moment that we are kind of still running yesterday's playbook? Or do you think from what you see of kind of outreach to younger people that 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 the church has woken up? It hasn't been asleep at the wheel. It's, it's very alive to this kind of um, change in spirituality.
0: I think it is a mixed picture. And um, I mean, we are in post-COVID days. So uh, certainly uh, pre-COVID, we had the likes of uh, Soul Survivor seeing uh, thousands come to their festivals and lots of response. And this previous summer, uh, as some of the festivals that were due to replace Soul survivor have been set up and running there have been similar responses some of the early um, results that i've heard uh, from some of those festivals in in, you know suggest an encouraging response that youth groups that are working with young people uh, and then drawing them to this larger gathering on in the summer which was the, the the classic Soul survivor model that you'd You'd, you'd bring your young people to to, to to engage with God and to engage with other young people and see fruit from that. That seems to be that kind of process. So I think there are the switched on churches for whom that is wonderfully the case. Um, but I go back to the, the sad statistics of so so many local churches non-engaging. Um, and I think the reality is that they're not just not engaging with young people, they're not engaging with the, the general public either. So typically a vibrant If you've got a vibrant youth group, you've probably got a vibrant church because you're well connected. You're engaging with the issues that matter. You're engaging with people of faith. You're you're seeking to disciple people, you're seeking to build up the adults and to have an enthusiastic uh faith in God, which then spills over into their life with their younger people. The younger people see parents who are engaged with God for whom it matters. They're not hypocrites, they're not just going through the motions, it matters. And all that—that that is good news. So, as I say, I'm afraid, Tim, the, the answer to the question is it is a mixed picture, and hmm. sadly, there are too few churches, perhaps, who are uh, properly engaging and picking up on this kind, of, this kind of thing. But let's let's rejoice in those who are good influencers. Let's seek to learn from them. Hmm. I think there's a great um, great value in in uh, within within lots of areas of Christian life is saying, "Well, who who is seeing fruit? What are they doing?" How are they doing it? Are there things that we can imitate and and transfer to our neck of the woods as well? And and wonderfully, there are churches up and down the country who are who are seeing uh, some vibrant connection with with young people, with uh, deta- you know, in detached youth work, in with people who have got no faith and no faith background, engaging with them in the sort of issues that they're facing, which are often very raw and real issues to do with mental health, to do with knife crime, to do with Housing and poverty, etc., and, and and many of those groups, and particularly some fantastic youth charities, are are doing some great work and seeing fruit from it. I'm oh, interested in your take
1: on that one, Sam. Are you seeing encouraging things when you kind of write about and speak to people in the church that they might be on board with this kind of growing wave of spirituality among the young?
2: Yeah, like Andy, I think I see a bit of a mixed picture as well. We we ran a cover story in Premier Christianity magazine. Um, probably about six months ago now, or longer than that, which was really designed to sort of ring the alarm bell on children and young people, and and just say actually, sometimes as Christians we have a tendency to say, "Oh, God's good, everything's great. How was church last Sunday? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic." And and as I say, certainly <laughs> sometimes I'm a bit of a pessimist, and and actually we just felt the need as a magazine to say, "Hey, guys, come on, we need to look at the the stats here." on children and young people in our church across the board is pretty dire and have some honesty about that and, and say, okay, how can we rebuild this? Because you've actually got a huge number of churches with no kids' work, youth work at all. Um, youth workers have an incredibly tough job. I love the Rob Parsons line who says that he, he really feels sorry for youth leaders because parents expect them to do in one night on a, on a Friday evening what they've been unable to do all week. Um, so I think we need to love and support our youth leaders and that's where Andy comes in with our with our Youth and Children's Work magazine and Next Gen projects here at Premier that is entirely geared towards helping and resourcing not just youth leaders, children's workers, but also resourcing parents to help all of us in raise the next generation. And that's really why Premier Christianity ran a cover story, because we're we're for the whole church. We're not just... For- Youth leaders, but we felt the need to say to the whole church: there is a big, big problem here. And and the conclusion of that long article um, was really that that it, it does to use the famous phrase: it takes a village to raise a child; it takes a whole church to come together. We can't just outsource this just to the youth leaders, or even just to the parents. And how do we create church communities that really value uh, young people across the boards? But I I do think it's uh, you know if you if you speak to any of the youth the youth leading experts they will say the same thing which is that things things are bad and we just have to own that and then start to think how how can we change and i think research like this can help um and as i say i'm not sure if it's anything that new i mean we're recording this on the day of um 24 7 prayers birthday if you know anything about 24 7 prayer you know they're all over the world prayer rooms you know anything about that movement it started with young people um and this is this is decades ago now it started with young people getting together in a basement in, i think it was chichester and praying round the clock 24 7 and that's since become this global movement so you think well prayer has been something that has has caught the attention of young people for quite some time now um, and i think it will be one of the keys to to ensuring the future of the church and making sure that we have a vibrant number of young people coming through
0: premier christian newscast Premier Christian Newscast.
1: I think that's is a really interesting angle, which Andy picked up on right at the start, which is that actually as maybe this is these these surveys like this and evidence of a kind of renewed spirituality among the young is, is this, uh, starting to be signs that we're kind of turning the corner on the kind of fizzling out of Christendom that we've been living through over the last half century. And and now that Christianity is no longer kind of nominal or expected or just like in the waters, uh, but it's, it's become actually unusual and interesting and even a bit exotic. And that's actually paradoxically easier ground for provoking interest in faith than it was among kind of baby boomers for whom they'd grown up with it and been sent to church as a kid and it become kind of boring and apathetic and, and just kind of background. Do you guys think there's any truth to that idea?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I just spent some time in, in Texas in the heart of the Bible Belt. And if you speak to Christians there, they tell you that evangelism is really tough. And the reason that evangelism is tough is because everybody thinks they're already a Christian, when actually it's it's this nominalism. It's this kind of oh yeah everyone's a Christian here in Texas because you know we love love God and love our guns and you know think of the stereotype. But that is that's kind of what it's like out there. It's a very quote unquote Christian culture. But again, you have to ask the question: Well, how deep does that spirituality go? And everyone I spoke to in Texas, uh, in Texas church leaders, evangelists said this is the problem that kind of people think they're in, but actually it's very it's very nominal. And of course, here in the UK, it's a very different picture we are further down that line in terms of secularization of of europe and of, and of our country and so you're right those people who are saying i am a christian they're not doing it for any kind of um cultural um you know, it doesn't give it doesn't give them anything. Um, actually, it's quite hard to be a Christian now in, in today's society in many ways. Mm-hmm. But that's a good thing because it means either you're in and you're committed or you're not. And it's kind of easier to know where young people stand. Young people are not going to say I'm a Christian because it helps them socially, uh, if anything, quite the opposite. But what that means is what we'll we could end up and I pray and hope we end up with a generation of people who are really committed, who are really on fire for God and are going to see God do incredible things in their lives because they are fully in. And, you know, certainly I've met young people like that. I continue to meet young people like that who challenge my faith now that I'm a bit older. And I think, wow, you have got real passion. You've really met with God. You are going places. And there are young people like that out there in our churches. And I guess our job as older folk is to nurture that and encourage that and, and spur them on.
1: Yeah. Andy, anything to chip in on that one?
0: Yeah, I do think we're, to some extent, a little bit similar to the first century uh, Roman Empire situation, that uh, obviously was faced for uh, by, by the first Christians. Uh, we we have the, still the inherited faith, so we still have tons of examples and places of, you know, de- of buildings that are sometimes sadly decaying, you uh, know, and, uh, and therefore the, the the young people look at that as a being a, a sad sign of a decaying faith, but nevertheless, in their minds, they're completely open to anything sadly (laughs) but but that would include the the christian faith that would include spirituality that would include the idea that there's a god um you know i've in 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 our church situation we've had examples of uh of of christian young people engaging with people outside the faith praying for them seeing things happen to the massive surprise sometimes of both parties the christian and the non-christian but but the non-christian thinking crumbs maybe there is something to this because they've they've sensed something that God has done and worked, you know. So God is God is after everyone all the time, of course, and and people are quieting in their consciences or they're they're ignoring what God is doing. But if we can uh, appropriately connect, have conversation, as Sam said, you know, start where people are at and then gently move them towards a god framework a framework of revelation of scripture that can inform and help them and understand these experiences that they may be having then that can be that can be great and i think it's you know it's power. it's a it's a very lo- it's a lovely time to be alive in the in the kingdom of god in britain at the moment because of that potential hmm. and some people are starting to reap the benefits of that as they see as they engage with young people and and, and children as say. I've mentioned some of the youth charities and some evangelists too that are acute to these kind of nuances and then coming in with a according if you like a more measured message that um engages where people are at we are in you know paul paul to, to mars hill act 17 where he didn't assume uh, a real understanding of 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 old testament knowledge but he assumed an understanding of god and and we're kind of in that world and um hopefully we can have a uh, the, the kind of apologetic that Paul had to meet with people and then draw them slowly towards the Jesus who's resurrected and 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 cause all people to repent. I guess one
1: angle we haven't yet really talked about in any depth is is how COVID plays into this. I remember I was doing some reporting on on um, how COVID had affected the church last year, and and one of the the big things was kind of two sides of the coin were. There was this kind of real crisis, as Sam has mentioned, in, in youth work and that, you know, online church doesn't really work for young people for many cases and churches had seen like long cherished kind of, youth ministries disappear overnight and the people, kids, kids weren't coming back. I mean, the flip side was there was a real sense that that the kind of existential crisis of the pandemic had prompted a renewed interest in kind of big questions about spirituality and faith. Do you think that that COVID is that any of that has lasted? That we might see, particularly younger people, having gone through the kind of fire of lockdowns and and variants and all that, they might actually have a prolonged interest in in kind of asking why are we here, what happens when I die, all those kind of things.
0: I think possibly, uh, Tim. Um, I, I'd look, looked at one stat before the show. Uh, there was a seventy seven percent increase in. Uh, referrals for mental health amongst young people post COVID. So you know that, that's, this is a, not an unusual statistic and, and I appreciate mental health is a very broad term. So everything from kind of anxiety to a potential for self-harm, uh, for low self-esteem, et cetera. Um, but nevertheless, there's a lot of young people who are very unhappy, struggling some because of the COVID stuff, some because of a, uh, of societal challenges, uh, around social media around their whether they fit in whether they fit in with their peers uh, sometimes pressure to um, conform to uh, what their peers are wanting them to do and also of course it has to be said sadly because a breakdown in family life and because you know parents have split up and all the rest of it so um, you know we're reaping the whirlwind of the 60s you know liberal liberal agenda sadly in our young people today um and and maybe that needs to be said as well so i I think there there is a potential uh post-covid openness but again people need to be engaged with where they're at uh, and and they're growing up in a world of um where sexuality and gender uh, agenda is being pushed at them in a certain way so we have to be sensitive to that uh, and not maybe if we have an orthodox christian view of that not charge in too fast but uh, to be sensitive and listening and understanding Uh, and i think it particularly in the counseling world and the therapeutic world wise christian listening and advice uh, could be a key way in which young people feel heard and understood not to manipulate them into a, a faith decision but to give a listening ear in a world that's sadly not meeting them at those particular needs and if the church could be cuter and particularly youth leaders could be cuter about that I think we'd have some real traction in connecting.
1: Hmm. I was reading uh, a really interesting story uh, just earlier today about uh, a kind of prayer app called Glorify, which some people might've come across, um, which is uh, just raised an astonishing amount of money in kind of investment. I think $84 million somehow, mostly in the States um, uh, and claims to have 2.2 2 million people regularly kind of using the app to to do Bible readings and, and pray and things. And, and, and the, the, one of the founders of the app said that his take was that the trend 10 years ago was for young people to be interested in eastern religions and spiritual practices like yoga but he thinks that covid has actually caused this kind of shift and people are looking for meaning but they're going back to what they already knew and so for those in the west that was a kind of christianity um i I don't know whether sam does any of that chime true for you do you think
2: yeah, a similar trend I've I've heard about before is this idea that that once young people grow up and start having families, it causes a bit of a rethink. I don't know if you've seen these sorts of stories and research that that suggests as a, as a teenager or a twenty-something, you you might just be kind of living like most people, just living for yourself. Um, but then when you settle down and and uh, have kids and you start to think about things like, oh, should we get our kid christened, and what kind of an inv- community do we want our uh, char- I've heard stories of people sort of saying oh, this- actually I grew up in a church community and even though I'm a bit sceptical as to whether God exists, there was something really nice about the church community and um, even some of the religious practices that I remember as a kid of, of getting your child baptised or-, or whatever it may be, so I find that quite an interesting idea, that almost as as you go through life stages, it can cause you to rethink. In a sense, there's nothing new about that. We can we can all think of people who life was going quite well, and then suddenly it wasn't, and it caused them to ask the big questions. And I always remember what Tim Keller um, said about this, who famously pastored in New York and was pastoring in Manhattan at the time of 9-11. And he said, I wish that as people's economic prosperity increased in New York, as it does for a lot of people, that it would cause them to ask the big questions of God and life. But he said it never did. But he said the weekend after 9-11, every church in New York was packed. And there's something about when life doesn't go well, it causes you to ask the big questions in a way that, people don't when life when life's going okay people don't stop and think so there's something about the pandemic that that may have caused that now again i'm slightly skeptical about this i personally have not witnessed some sort of post-covid revival of everyone asking spiritual questions but i think on a smaller level for some people no doubt and we publish stories like that in premier christianity of i became a christian during lockdown so clearly for some people the lockdowns and covid has have made them think about the bigger questions i'm just slightly skeptical as to whether Mm. um COVID will change the big picture. And I say that on a lot of things. I don't know if you remember at the time of of lockdown and COVID, you had people saying, uh, do, do you remember how kind of wildlife came back to London because we'd locked everything down and the environment was almost recovering and people were saying this is great in the future, we're going to change all our habits and you know, no one's ever going to go to an office ever again. And and actually, you know, we, we look at society now and we're kind of back to normal in almost every area, aren't we? I mean, I don't see people wearing masks that often. So I'm always I'm always sceptical of this idea that, that COVID will dramatically change everything overnight. That, it didn't quite happen that way. Um, I think I think the changes have been slightly more subtle than that.
1: Mm. And I think as ever, with these kind of deep kind of sociological uh, kind of studies and research, the the kind of disappointing answer for the journalists like us is is that time (laughs) will tell. (laughs) And, you know, we could do this podcast 70 years ago talking about the first signs of kind of secularization setting in, but it took literally 50 years to really see the impact and what what impact that has on on faith and and spirituality. And I, I suspect if there is really kind of renewed interest among the young, it will take many decades for that to work itself out. Uh, and we'll be there trying to chart the, the whole way. So uh, thanks so is, very
2: much. So is, is, the, is the takeaway from this conversation between three journalists of trust the headlines?
0: <laughs>
2: Could it <laughs> possibly come actually, 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 the headlines might say one thing, but but change will take a lot longer and slower and growth comes slowly. It doesn't happen in an instant. There you go. That's a bombshell, isn't it, to, <laughs> to end the show on? It's not, not going to
0: sell, Sam. Not going to sell, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, well, we are unfortunately out of time to continue our cynical, hard-bidden hack discussion. But um, I'm really grateful, Andy and Sam, for all your uh, insight uh, and your reflections on this story. I think it's an important one. We'll keep an eye on it, obviously, as things develop over the years. But thanks thanks to both of you and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, and I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. That's it for this week's episode of Premier Christian Newscast. We'll be back next Monday morning. And to make sure you receive each week's show sent straight to your phone or tablet, make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. If you're enjoying the podcast, please could you give us a rating and a review on your app? This really helps us spread the word about the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.
0: Premier Christian Newscast.